Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Your Everyday Cyber Podcast with Limor Kessum and Diana Kelly. We live in a cyberspace almost all the time, but do we know enough about living in it securely? Join this dynamic duo as they take you through an exploration of daily cyber activities and how you can make better choices to make them secure for yourself and your family. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to Your Everyday Cyber. I'm Lamore Kessim, a cybersecurity professional and advisor. My co-host is Diana Kelly, a cybersecurity expert who is the CTO and co-founder of Security Curve. So social media, it's almost a household staple for so many people these days. Can you believe it started out in 1997? I don't think many of us imagined it would grow into one of the top targeted advertising media in the world and have a user base of billions of people across the globe logging in every single day to different social media accounts or not even logging in just on the application all the time. I know it's it's amazing. It's so much a part of people's lives now. And that really goes for all ages in different age groups may use different platforms. Some of the younger people using some of the less monitored or controlled platforms are are less uh, well known. But at this point, everybody's using it. So it's a great topic to discuss. And yes, we will touch on the term Finsta. We will. There's a lot going on in social media nowadays. Uh, There's subjects that weigh heavily even on government and society. There's stuff that just impacts everyday people of all ages. So to help us map some of the major pieces of the social media puzzle, we have with us today Anthony Coggins as our guest. He is a security architect and the director of social media at West Michigan Cloud Security Alliance. So he has experience with both aspects of security and social media, and he can help us understand what's been shaking up social media these days and give us some solid ways that you could stay safer and keep your family safe on your favorite platforms. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Looking forward Thank to the you. conversation. Yeah, we're happy to have you here today. Uh, it's on a subject that's become increasingly controversial over time. So most people know about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Are these still the most popular for social media or are there other platforms that people should be aware of? You know, there are other platforms um, and there are, I would say, you know, other platforms coming out um, every other week, it seems, um, between you know, smaller startups or uh, sometimes, uh, you know, more politicized uh, based social media platforms um, are being spun out more frequently. Um, but, you know, when we think social media, we tend to, you know, think Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, you know, these are, these are what I would say are the power players in the space. Okay. So these are the the most well-known ones. And social's been in the news a lot lately. It's even been, you know, some reps and executives from social media have been in front of the U.S. Congress. So if you were a usual, if you're just a casual user who goes on Facebook to see pictures of your friend's kids or to look at cute dog videos on Instagram, it might be a little bit confusing about how these services became so controversial. Could you explain what's going on there? Yeah. So there, there really is two major issues, uh, at least in my mind, 
uh, when it comes to social media. Uh, the first being privacy. Uh, so if we look at uh, past instances, um, things like Cambridge Analytica, who leveraged the Facebook backend to, to really gather information into their platform that they then use to sell to political uh, um, political activists and things um, in order to best target uh, their advertising. Um, so privacy is you know key when it comes to social media. So you know is, is a is a point of uh, a point of advice. Um, you know I would ask that everybody check their privacy settings within all the social medias. Um, they usually don't um, bury it too deeply. There is a section that says privacy tells you who can see what, what level of data you're giving to Facebook and you know the, the public at large. Uh, and then additionally, I would review any uh, anything you've authorized to access your social media. Uh, so sometimes you have you know quizzes and, and other third party applications um, that you've granted access to your social media uh, for various reasons. Uh, but these applications can sometimes have a little too much uh, permission to uh, your account and your information. So make sure you would you know, double check that. Secondly, social media has become, and you might've already heard this term already. Uh, I would love your guys' opinions on this as well, is uh, Facebook in particular, but every social media has developed echo chambers. And what this does is when you have like-minded individuals who all have the same philosophy or train of thought all thinking together, you tend to develop groupthink. Um, and there's you know a whole psych uh, psych background uh, into groupthink uh, that you know we could we could dive into. But um, the whole the at large, it's going to be you know without diversity of opinion in fact. Um, you're just fed the information you want. Uh, tends to lead uh, to some dangerous behaviors, uh, you know, potentially even, uh, um, you know, violent, um, as we've, as we've seen, you know, with the January 6th, uh, insurrection and, um, even some, some oddities, uh, not sure if you've seen the news recently, uh, but yesterday, um, uh, uh, November the 2nd, uh, there were a bunch of people hanging out in Dallas, uh, because there was a QAnon conspiracy that the, uh, the deceased John Kennedy Jr. Uh, was going to return from the grave and help Trump win the election. And so it's, it's absolutely crazy what, what's going on. And, and social media is, is at the core of, of all of these. Well, that's one way to get controversial, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, social media is it kind of um, coming off of that question is it's become a key news source for many people. Like if you think if they read it on social media, that is the news. But right. sometimes that news isn't always based on facts, to say the least. There's misinformation on topics like elections, election interference, the pandemic, COVID vaccines. All these things can be downright dangerous. So why is this misinformation so dangerous on social media? And can people who are you know browsing away just being you know normal everyday people can they tell when a post isn't really grounded in reality it can be difficult um i would say the key thing to look for is you know what 
what is the source of the information? If, if somebody is resharing or reposting an article, you know, where, where is that, where's that article linking you to? Um, is it a reputable newspaper or site uh, that is known for its news? Or does it have a really weird domain name or, you know, website name that, you know, uh, far right news dot, you know, dot net or whatever, you know, something, you know, look for those flags um, to, you know, help discern whether, you know, initially what you're reading um, is factual or not. Uh, search out reputable fact-checking sites like PolitiFact. Um, if you're looking in the, um, the political area, um, and just, you know, take everything you read online with a grain of salt. Um, you know, there's a, an old, uh, I think it's Allstate commercial um, that, that comes to mind where, you know, this, uh, this gal meets uh, this, this guy online and um, says he speaks French and shows up at, at his apartment and he says, bonjour, you know, and all this. And that's the only word he speaks in French. Um, <laughs> so again, you can, you can say and be whoever you want on the internet. Uh, so take everything you read with green assault. Make sure you fact check. Yeah, yeah, fact checking is, it's so important. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people where I've said, oh, that's a really interesting piece of data. Where did you get it? And they said, well, I did the research. And I said, wonderful. Um, you know, I, I love to, to, to understand that research too. And then you realize it wasn't actually research. It was just an opinion or somebody, something, you know, sometimes it's something somebody made up. And one of the worst cases is for anyone that hasn't heard of the site, The Onion, it's a, basically, it's a satiric site. It pretends to be news, but it's satirical. So it's the same thing as like a weekend update on SNL. They don't purport to be real news. They purport to be fun and entertainment, but someone sent me an article from the onion thinking that that was real news um, and that they had done the research so it can be really challenging right. <laughs> nowadays yeah, to figure that, out yeah. but yeah I've seen that uh evidence a couple times of you know i think there's actually there's a whole subreddit on reddit called ate the onion where <laughs> it, it, it's oh my people, goodness it's people responding to onion sites thinking they're real it's it's, it's way i right. think that it's because it also makes you cry in the end Right. Ah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so another aspect, in addition to the potential for misinformation, disinformation, another aspect that's been in the news a lot is the potential impact on especially young users' mental health when they're going on some of these sites. There's this very, you know, idealized world of how you're supposed to look and how your your life is supposed to be perfectly decorated and happy all the time. And some of that congressional testimony was around um, the impact to users and potentially pushing people to risky behavior like eating disorders and even thinking about suicide. Uh, and Anthony, I'd love your thoughts on that. Can a social media platform have that much influence? Absolutely. Um, if you look specifically at Gen Z today, they are the first generation who has grown up in a world where the internet has always existed. They don't, they, they can't fathom, they don't know of a world before the internet. Um, and so, and we've given them screens and smartphones and social media at such a young age that it, it is really become ingrained in part of their lives. Um, so when you, when people are posting on social media, you know, you've got models and you've got, 
you know, even your friends, right? Posting, oh, I just got engaged or I just, you know, got a new dog or, or what have you. They're posting the highlights of their lives because that's what social media is. is it's, you, want to, you want to share your accomplishments. You want to show people, you know, what, what, what's going on in your life. That tends to be the positive things. So as a young person, as I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, and I'm seeing these people accomplishing all these things in my life or in their lives, whether subconsciously or actively, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'll look at all these people doing all these great things. What am I doing with my life? Or, you know, look at, look at this person who, you know, is a different body shape than I am, or, you know, has a different job status than I do. And that constant feed of, of other people's positivity and what they have going on in their lives tends to eat away at, at your, your confidence and, you know, what you think of yourself um, because you are constantly comparing yourself to what you're seeing on social media. Absolutely. This is also, you know, it's been research. It plays immediately into how human beings interact socially. It's one of the things that we do constantly to make sure, like, how do we know that we're happy about something is comparing ourselves to others. And yeah, it's, and, you know, looking if, as a young girl, let's say, looking at someone who's ever so beautiful, ever so popular, has like a ton of followers, immediately one would compare and say, well, I'm, I just don't measure up. So it, it is definitely a way. And I agree with what you're saying. So important. And the concerns don't even stop with how users interact with the platform or like the way they, they feel about it. It also extends to what the platform collects about users, including children. So the FTC fined YouTube's parent company, Google, $170 million a couple of years ago for violating children's privacy laws collecting data about children under 13 years old uh, without parental consent. So it's almost sound like, is this a conspiracy theory to me? And then I realized it was factual. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm a parent. Is there a way for me to know maybe uh, that that has been collected about my children? Is it buried somewhere in the terms and conditions? Is there maybe a way I can manage a little bit what's collected or have it deleted? So it's a little easier uh, outside of the U.S. Um, so if, 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 you're, if you're in Europe, we have GDPR, which gives us the right to be forgotten. Um, and so you can, you know, query a, uh, any, any company who, who may have your information and they have to tell you. And if you want it removed, they have to remove it. Uh, yeah. You know, in the U.S., it can be a little more difficult. Um, you know, again, checking your privacy settings, you know, and, and like you mentioned, really getting into the nitty gritty of those terms and conditions are sometimes really the only way um, to accurately know. And even then, I mean, companies lie still. So, you know, there, there may be maybe things that you, you don't know that they're collecting. At the end of the day, if you're not comfortable with the entire internet knowing it, you shouldn't be posting on social media. Mm. Yeah, good, good, good advice. Okay, you so really speaking- don't know at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. And and speaking of that, there's one t- 
term that made the round, you know, the, a clip that made the rounds after the congressional hearings, which was around the term Finsta, because one senator was not clear on what Finsta is um, and why Facebook, who are the owners of Instagram, couldn't commit to ending it. So, Anthony, can you explain Finsta to, Finsta to us and why is it not so easy to quote end? So that, that clip was incredibly frustrating and cringy to, to I think, everybody who understands social media um, and, you know, what, what impact it has on people. And, and just the, the fact that we had one of our lawmakers asking this question and not fully comprehending what he was asking, which would allude to that, you know, if, if they're not understanding social media, how can they properly regulate it or write laws for it? Um, so Finsta, uh, to, go, to go back to the original question, is a slang word or term uh, for um, a, a second or you know, a secret, a fake Instagram account. Um, I've also heard it called a spam account. Um, and so these are um, you know, typically accounts that parents aren't following. Um, you know, maybe only close friends or, uh, you know, uh, groups outside of the, of the, of the, of the eyes of, of adults. Um, and these, these accounts tend to maybe post some more, we'll say, dramatic things, um, you know, where people maybe talk more about their emotions and what they see in the world um, and you know, tend to be a little more uh, rash and, and, and indirect, at least based on what I've seen. Absolutely. Finsta is uh, becoming this whole thing. Parents especially need to know about, need to understand. Also, yes, it cannot be removed. <laughs> so um, there's also a lot of discussion about algorithms, the social platforms used to keep, you know, keep making us click. Let's say YouTube autoplay is going to make sure that we're constantly looking at more stuff. Uh, it can show that maybe a user was interested in target shooting video and more extreme and violent clip. Facebook has an algorithm promoting controversial conspiracy theory um, that would post into someone's feed because it really keeps people reading and responding and engaging. How much truth is there to these things, these algorithms that are obviously not very positive? Oh, they're absolutely real. Um, so at, like you said, Facebook in particular has a really good algorithm to make sure you are engaged. And the reason behind that is because the more time you spend on Facebook, the more ad revenue Facebook gets. Because again, when we, when we look at these companies, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, they're, they're free, but nothing's free, really. So they still have to make money. And the way they do that is through selling ads. Um, and so they use algorithms to not only make sure the ads you're getting are relevant to you and make sure you know that you you might your add a chance of you clicking on that ad because it's a topic or you know something that, that you're interested in um, but also content onto your feed to make sure you are staying engaged with the platform um, and certain social medias will actually push notifications uh, to your phone if you haven't been using it for a period of time. 
um, you know, something like you know, if you've been off of Snapchat or Facebook for a while, we'll send you a, just a little notification saying, hey, your friend just posted something. Do you want to check it out see what it is? Because then once you're hooked in that, more than likely you're going to continue browsing and continue looking and continue to generate ad revenue. Yep. If, MSN. And, and something that I always come back to with social media is if there is no product, the product is you. So your data, your ad generation revenue, that that's, that's how these companies make their money. That's the product. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, given there, there are privacy concerns, there are mental health concerns, there's certainly concerns about how we are, we are becoming the product and getting drawn in uh, misinformation, but there are also a lot of cute dog videos and cat videos. And this is some ways in some families, this is the only way to keep up with like the new grandchild or the new um, niece or nephew. So aside from uh, deleting our accounts, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to people on social media today? So the first piece is if you're going to be posting a lot of information, you want to make sure your account is secure. Um, so with all of your accounts, but especially your social media accounts, um, you want to enable two-factor authentication on it. Um, and make sure you have a password um, that isn't used anywhere else um, and that is you know, more complex um, than just you know, eight characters or your dog's name or you know, what have you. Secondly is to check your privacy settings. Um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, um, uh, Instagram all have settings uh, where you can adjust the amount of information people see, as well as what's given to the platform. Uh, and third, you know, if you have children, uh, make sure that you educate them on the impacts of social media, not only um, at, from a privacy perspective, but you know, to their mental health. Um, if if they understand what they're seeing and why they're feeling, why they're feeling. Um, it may help lessen the impact of some of this. Absolutely. The education is key. And obviously, like you said, stay in control of the account in many ways by securing it, by making sure it shows what you want to show, and also by thinking of what we share and not oversharing. Um, Anthony, this has really been a great chat about social media today. Such an important subject that it has become so important. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us today and on every episode. We hope this episode was helpful to you, that you can refer others to it, and it can be helpful as well. Our podcast page has some resources from you for you from each episode, so you can check that out. Our next episode on Hacking Thanksgiving is cooking up a fast-paced chat with hacker Chris Roberts, who will talk to us about all the devices that can be hacked in the kitchen. So we'd love to hear your comments and subject requests for the podcast. You can send us your ideas via email to your or everyday cyber at securitycurve.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at cyber underscore everyday. And thank you again for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Your Everyday Cyber Podcast with Limor and Diana. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. 
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.